Toyota. Hello, my children. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, death. Oh, death. Oh, Welcome, everyone, to Supernatural The Crossroads. I am your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me, as always, is Ryan Denton. YOLO. And Michael Flores. YOLO. And today we are talking about Season 12, Episode 20, Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines. That sounds like a porno. It, it, always, it does. It does. It's a wood dick porno. It's a wood dick. Yeah, it's like Pinocchio or something. It's, 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 it's the adult it's, sequel to Pinocchio. Yeah, but his dick grows instead of his nose. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm a real Dude. boy. I'm a real boy. Look at my dick. <laughs> oh, that's making us. Wrap it up, wrap it up a twine. Wrap it my up dick in is twine. six inches. Oh my god, it just got bigger. If only that's all you had to do to get a bigger penis. Oh, dude, I might would be so long right now. Because guys it lie be about funny. it to get a bigger dick all the time. I'd be like, my dick's so big. <laughs> is, that wow. like a, is that a lie if it actually happens as you say it? Wow. How's that work? Oh, that's I think it then become a show, truth and then go backwards. Yeah, is that? You, I'm oh so shit! Confused. Wow, is that like the what came first, the chicken or the egg? When you don't lie, you get an any. <laughs> oh yeah! All right, all right, all right. Jesus! All right, let's talk about something. How other the than fuck that. do we start with that? I don't know. I, I swear to it. God, Ryan. Once, once whatever job you're doing right now, because I actually don't know what you do to make money. That's perfect. You should go into parody pornography and just I come probably, up with all these fucking <laughs> ideas. And just shoot these movies. God. You would make a fucking While shooting ropes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's let's jump into this. Uh, All right. So besides Ryan's directorial debut at some point. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This started really bad. This one got out of hand real quick. <laughs> this intro will not be in the on demand version. Oh, come on. You know, it, he says it all the time. It always is. Now, this week, guys, we had Richard Spate Jr. return for the third time to direct a Supernatural episodes. And for the third time, we're getting right into it. He did a phenomenal job. Agreed. Not just because he is a good director, but he has a complete sense and understanding of this show, which is something that not a lot of not not a lot, but not every director can say that. We've had some discussions this season there have been weaker episodes from from day one mm-hmm. through to today. But Richard Spate, as somebody who was on the show, somebody who has been part of the entertainment creation, entertainment cons, somebody who has been integral and his fans and, and friends with the cast and crew. This guy understands this show. He did exactly what the show needed in a lot of ways right now, giving us a hybrid of a monster of the week with a bit of myth arc kind of moving things forward and setting up pieces for this 
supposedly fina- uh, final climactic finale. Which are always, you know what's funny is I really do enjoy the hybrid shows. Like, it gives me something where I can kind of not focus on the myth arc, but then at the very, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's it's, it's, it's a nice change of pace. It, it is, as, absolutely. As long as they're not completely disjointed, like, for example, the Game of Thrones approach yeah. works for <laughs> Game of Thrones, but that approach would not work for a show that is, again, arguably connected to Sam and Dean. They're always the center point. But if you can find little quick ways to connect the story, like a simple phone call. Yeah. That works wonders. And whoever's idea that was, whether it be Yoki or Yaki, however you say his last name, the writer, or it's Richard Spate, it doesn't matter, whatever, whoever had that idea should be commended because it was a great way to move the much needed myth arc of the season. So we didn't take a break from that, but also we were able to delve into the some witch lore and some monster of the week, which was fun as well. And it touched on season one, which a lot of fans have liked. And there has been elements of seasons one through five Kripke-esque styles and scenes throughout this episode or not this episode, this season, whether it's carving initials in the table or I I loved when Sam said mom's been gone for hunting on a trip and she hasn't been home in a while. Right. That direct reference to the power. It was great. I, I was like, you bastards you know exactly what's going to make me happy it set the tone for what to expect for the rest of the episode because that was another great use of the hybrid monster of the week type format was because we were able to see some parallels between you know tasha and alicia max and sam Sam and and dean Dean and their family and and not just that that's what made this one work so well is it's not just that it was a monster of the week with a myth arc storyline but the parallel narrative yes. between both fits so mm-hmm. well. Yep. It, it was just, we said this on the bonus show, it's woven tightly together yeah. to make a strong episode. So, and we also saw the return of Max and Alicia, which is very open, which I'm excited about. I, I was. And I was I'm too. also sad about, like, it was kind of fucked up. We'll, we'll get into that. We liked them. If you remember yeah. from Ace yeah. of Fox, we like, they were cool because we've never seen a witch hunter. Which we got to see a little bit of that in this episode, which I was, that was highlights for me. Yeah, it's definitely a cool concept and something that we as Supernatural fans aren't used to seeing. It's not the pattern, the typical hunter pattern or the hunter norm we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing the flannel wearing, you know, truck drivers that goes out and slays some baddies. (laughs) Here we got some trendy looking witches that that do the job that the hunters do. You You would notice the trendy lookingness of them. Mike's very trendy. He's very metro. All right. He packs like five suitcases. We've noticed. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> for one, three, for one's three for shoes, trip. and that's not even a fucking joke. Yeah, hey, it's not, it's not a joke, guys. <laughs> that's my secret. <laughs> my secret is I always look good. Anyway, we'll get into the discussion of Max and Alicia throughout this episode. But as always, guys, we've got news first. <laughs> and some things that we talked about before have to be a little retconned. Mm. But first... According to Adam W. Visual FX, who we've talked to before. Hey, Adam! Adam! <laughs> Adam, what are we doing on season 12, episode 23? We need lots of visual effects, Adam. I mean, something we've never seen before, <laughs> ever. Michael Bay explosions all over the place. Yeah, think Michael Bay mixed Grenade with some Lancer. Ridley Scott, mixed with a little bit of your Lucas. James Cameron. What was that? Your Lucas. Your, your Lucas. <laughs> I turned to a Mexican for a second. Yeah, you did. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that you, you were know, Juan Solo. Sometimes Mexicans are the bosses too. Okay. You were Juan Solo. It's a Roberto singer. Roberto. 
Yeah. This is a Spanish it's edition. My, in my fan fiction, Robert Singer is Roberto Singer. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's like meta. A, oh, it's, gotcha. It's like mm-hmm. a Mexican, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's like a soap top, opera. Yeah. It's like a gordita. It has yeah. layers. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. <laughs> okay, Shrek. Anyways, what's this news? We derailed. <laughs> okay, real news, though, not f- bullshit that we've constantly talked about. The 23rd episode of Supernatural is the second largest for visual effects yes. since the show first aired. He said this on Twitter. Uh, second largest episode of visual effects since the show first aired. Second only to season 11, episode 9, which was the mid-season finale. God, I love it. Uh, oh, was that Old Brother Where Art Thou? Yep. Yeah. I can't remember the name, but one of my finale. favorite episodes. And this was the infamous cage, which we saw on Instagram. And, and, that the, whole, and the smiting of angels. Yep. Smiting of angels. Just the hell, the fire and brimstone from the deepest level of hell. I have a boner right now. Is that The weird? red eyes of Lucifer. Did you lie? No. <laughs> did, you lie? did you lie about something? No. Oh, now he did. But this had the first time we saw Lucifer return since season five. The red eye shot that we've all grown to love from the minute we saw it. One of my favorite shots and one of my favorite episodes from season 11. Except for the lack of blue flames. Except <laughs> for the lack of blue flames. That was really what it was missing. God, I, I still hold that against No them. joke. That's one of my favorite bits we've ever done I on fucking this show. hate both of you I so much. I guarantee you, Adam, because he listened to that show, I guarantee you he, he was, mad was making fun of you yeah. to the rest of the visual he effects should. team. He should. Hey, they'll know who guy. I am, right? That's somebody. That's hey, at least, yeah, at least someone that's remembered you one. on that one. Yeah, that's true. Forgettable Thomas. Exactly. Guy blue flame. This is why I say these stupid what things. What if Adam did a blue flame in these episodes, dude? <laughs> oh, oh my god, dude. I would lose my I would be so fucking happy. It wouldn't even matter. I would, I would, yeah. I'd lose my mind. Be crazy. And it'd be on my Twitter. That I'd get that tattooed. We'll do something like that. You get some blue flame tattooed on you? Yep. Now yeah. that's cute. <laughs> but that does... We've been talking about this upcoming finale for a while now between Mark Pellegrino's tweet and now Adam's tweet. Oh, man, I'm stoked. This and the two-hour finale, this has got to be something pretty fucking epic. Yep. And I'm excited for it. We've talked a lot about the Tinder pile that has been building since the beginning of season 12. All the problems that are just going to come to fruition finally. And I think that us as fans are going to be really either traumatized or ecstatic. Either way, we're going to be sad because it is also going to mark another helatus coming up. We've only got we have three episodes, but only two weeks, which. Wow. Right. It doesn't (laughs) feel it feels like we just got back to the show. I know this season really did go by really fast. It did. And I'm not sure if that's because of the eight episodes for the first half and everything else kind of crammed in after January, oh. which we all like to cram, you know, a fair amount of stuff in at the end. God, I, but, normally it's me saying the shitty ones. <laughs> not tonight. But it's a two hour finale, which this is where we have to retcon. We thought and I'm moving past these two giggling that assholes. Was bad. That was- it was awful. But we do have to retcon. We thought that this upcoming two-part, two-hour finale was a first for Supernatural, and apparently it is not. This happened back in season six with two with a two-part back-to-back finale. Mm-hmm. Now, I I personally don't remember that. Neither do I. But it's been six, seven years since that time. Yeah, a listener hit a me up on Twitter and told me that they've done it before after listening to our show. So I Googled it and I found several articles promoting the two-hour season finale for God, season six. Weird tools. But I mean, it's also been six years, man. I mean, it's hard yeah, to I remember know. all the stories, let alone a promotional gimmick that was <laughs> that was done to help catapult season six. So I, who knows, man? I, I'm surprised I didn't remember because I know we've been talking about doing something like this for a long time. 
We always talk about doing the the, the two hour. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I that was one of the things I talked about when before season twelve even aired was bring back the part to be continued element. Right. We why had is that, that so hard. For, I, we, I still don't understand why it's so hard for them to do that. I don't know. We we talked about that with season 11's premiere and finale. We talked about it with season 12's premiere and now the finale here. It seems to fit as well. The only time I remember them doing that was with season two. I don't think we're going to get the to be continued title card again this year either. I don't no, think, I think gonna, it's going to be it's two episodes yeah. it's not part one part Plus, two. they won't be able to afford it because all of the budget's going to the visual effects <laughs> um, they can't hey afford guys, a title card we can't do to be continued right? it's just a guy holding a piece of paper up all right all right cool we won't do it can we do to be concluded is it, can, can that's we get too the, many letters oh is, that, oh is that too many that's all more right. letters you asshole oh shit sorry guys i never went to school <laughs> <laughs> never went to school are you all right anyway <laughs> so this is not going to be new for us Unfortunately, I didn't remember that. Neither did Mike. Neither did Ryan. But I don't think it's going to take away from the excitement in any way. And this they, I has think been... they did a Kickstarter for this episode. <laughs> Go fund me. Help with visual effects, guys. Please. We need a lot. We need a lot. How much? A lot. We need an HBO budget for this one, okay? You know, I am sp- talking about that real quick. I am surprised that Oh Brother or uh, the Oh Brother Where Art Thou is the greatest cost. It makes sense when you think about well, the entire background. Cost. Not necessarily cost. Just, just the, well, big, shots, the biggest. Yeah. yeah. It does make sense when you think about how the entire thing was surrounded within the Stygian pits of hell. Yeah. But the, for the immediate thing I think of is not just the fall of the angels, but the unleashing of the darkness. That that to me was huge from a visual effects standpoint. So yeah. those are the ones I would have thought if you had asked me which one do you think cost the most or, or was the, were the biggest effect I would have gone with one of those. I'm not a visual effects genius, although I do know some differences, and I think they've kind of mastered the smoke. It's again, it could be more than a particle effect. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, we kind of they kind of got the particle effect down. That is true. You know, so it may not be considered as elaborate as say the smiting of angels, and also the ongoing shot that we saw of Lucifer. Lucifer, we saw a lot in the cage. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a good what twenty minutes plus. There was an entire most the episode. Yeah, so. But that's that is going to leave us, unfortunately, in the middle of another helatus. But we actually have some semblance of a plan this time. Yeah, we're actually, guys, we're actually planning this out. Now I know that's not like us. I know, but we are doing that. We're usually fucktards in this regard. Yeah, we normally like get two, three, three weeks into helatus, and we're like, hey, let's do something for it. Well, we we before we've had a couple of ideas, and we've done it sprinkled throughout the months here and there. I think last year was probably it, it didn't feel like we did a whole lot last year. Yeah, at least personally. But this time we actually do have a semblance of a plan for upcoming episodes for Supernatural The Crossroads. We, of course, have the following final episodes of season 12. Correct. uh, Which leaves us with there's something about Mary, who we are, and all along the Watchtower. But then we're going to do a year-end review as well. Season 12 as a whole, how it has worked, what was done well, what could be improved upon, and probably going to be some speculation for season 13. Yeah. Because there's got to be a cliffhanger. Let's think about it. It has. Yeah, it has. When has there not been a fucking cliffhanger? Right. Which just thinking about that upsets me a little bit because now I'm going to have to fucking wait. Yeah, that's the worst feeling, dude. You're just like. But as Mike has so aptly named Helatus is a bitch, we have the Dean Winchester bitch game. Now, uh, Mike, can you explain (laughs) this one just a little bit? (laughs) I love the name. I'm not going to oh, lie. God, that sounds amazing. I can't I, wait for this. It's kind of a strong opener for some there, people. There needs to there needs to be a few things worked out still, but I think we're going to do a game, a drinking game, where we're yes. going to pick an episode that's very bitch-eccentric, 
meaning Dean says bitch a lot. And every time he says bitch, we have to take a shot. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. We're going to get okay fucking hammered. And we're going to do it kind of like a hybrid uh, mystery spot episode. We're not going to review it, but we are going to talk about commentary the over it. Yeah, we'll That's do some, we'll, we'll do our own yeah. commentary over it while taking shots. Oh, my God. What could go wrong? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Following that, we've got uh, Supernatural Trivial Pursuit with guests. Now, Ooh. this is something we've thrown around a little bit here, an idea of I'm not sure if it's going to be a contest or if we're going to invite people. I don't know exactly the details yet. We're going to do it live. It would be live. It'll be us actually playing the supernatural version of Trivial Pursuit. I'm thinking of bringing in some listeners from Arizona, have them come into the studio. We haven't done that before. No. And have them sit in with the game, and then we'll also have some people call in. I still have to work out the formatting on that as well, but that's kind of the general idea. And we're going to play a game of trivia pursuit and there'll, there'll be some Ooh. some some things that happen whoever, mm-hmm. whoever loses they'll be right we'll to strip we're gonna up the ante we're gonna make it fun crotch cams yeah <laughs> jesus we have an exclusive video cast don't worry we're getting there oh okay we've of course we're gonna do another mystery spot 3000 i think that's kind of it's fun for us i think the, a lot of fans have liked that. it the hardest part of those is finding an episode that we are comfortable enough of with making being of. making a little bit of fun of it's hard to make fun it of an episode like actually rip into an episode of supernatural it's you very bad yeah. you really do well, we also just always just... just do bloodlines then <laughs> <laughs> we also were going to talk about richard spate jr's trilogy the three episodes he's directed so far i added that too that's cool after thursday night's well, episode technically, yeah uh technically during helitis don't we have phoenix uh spn we have the SPN Creation Entertainment Con That's as true. well, which I'm sure we we're going to do. We haven't added that in there yet, but that also be, that'll be, I guess that counts, right? Some additional content for people. We've done it before the last couple of years. There's no reason we shouldn't do it this time. Now, for those of you who are Patreon subscribers, which should be everyone listening, <laughs> or if you are interested in becoming a Patreon subscriber, the additional ideas and episodes we have for that are, again, continuing our reviews, the same exact episodes, but for season one going all the way back. Mm-hmm. We've got Bloody Mary, episode five, Skin, episode six, Hookman, Bugs, uh, Home. I know I'm missing one in there. The next following episodes for season one. It's the exact same show you guys love. We've got video along with it, though. And we are starting all the way back from Kripke's era. And if you guys are Patreon subscribers, you guys can check out the other episodes you may have missed or who were, that came out before you subscribed. Either way, we thank you guys for that. We also have What About Jesse Turner, a much-talked-about concept in Supernatural, the Antichrist. Right. What happened to him? Was this a good idea? Should they ever bring it back? A lot of things about that, not just from a Supernatural standpoint and a story-writing standpoint, but from a lore. The Antichrist is, is huge. That's a huge thing. In yeah. all kinds of horror movies and TV shows and myth and legend and all kinds of things that so that's going to be a fun one for me at least uh the cryptonomics is cryptonomics is how do you pronounce Kripke, that cryptonomics is that right mike it's made up word so however <laughs> you want to yeah let's let's hear you say it go ahead thomas cryptonomically oh <laughs> fucking hell yes i was hoping you'd do that <laughs> Oh my god. Go ahead and try again, Thomas. Nope. <laughs> no, come on. No, for real this time, Thomas. Go ahead and try to pronounce it. McLeod. Yeah, see? <laughs> Dickhead. And that's writing rules that Eric Kripke stuck to throughout his run here and why we. Writing f- rules to live by. To live is by. Is the full title. 
It's such a douche episode. I Watch. Know. We're gonna the be whole thing so... will be like a blow fest. I, Ryan's not even going to show I, up. I'm not even going to show up for that one. I don't want I don't want you guys accidentally touching my penis because Cryptonomics. Writing rules to live by. I'm going to send that, that bitch so over. Douchey. Oh, yeah. That's nah, super douchey. Maybe we won't do that. We're going to no. workshop the title. No, it's going to be. It's happening. <laughs> uh, we've also got the visual effects of Supernatural as well as production sign building the sets. And I'm going to try to get for the visual effects. I'm going to try to get uh, either Adam or another visual effects. Um, person on the set of supernatural involved in the show before we've had ryan curtis but he has since moved on to i think he was on lucifer wasn't he yep yep yeah and no he was on frequency was he on frequency yeah that was the last show he was working on okay so there is a lot of ideas we've got coming down the tailpipe and of course if you guys have something ryan excluded maybe we'll do his you know porn parody hour god that would be so much fun hey but the the production design episode building the sets of sbn i think it's it's something that's been so like we've kind of never really touched on and it deserves it. It really does. And I'm also going to contact the production designer on supernatural and have him, uh, kind of pipe in on what they do and the whole entire system that they do for each season and how they set it up and, and what they use for, you know, inspirations uh, for the middle letters bunker. I mean, he does that's mo- he, no small feat. It isn't. And he does. a. He doesn't do a whole lot of press. He's done a little bit here and there. So I'm hoping we can get some some deets out of him that hasn't been heard a lot. Deets. Wow. <laughs> I haven't heard deets in forever. I say it. <laughs> OK, then that's a fa- that's a statement right there. Alrighty then. So again, guys, that is going to be those elements. There are going to be for our Patreon subscribers through the exclusive video cast. Again, if you guys have not heard, if you are a new listener for the first time, for the past three years, we've been doing the Supernatural Crossroads podcast each and every week. And our focus and goal was to deliver you guys a real fan experience type show where fans of Supernatural can debate and discuss and celebrate their favorite show in a fun environment. Admittedly, there are about a lot of dick jokes, mostly by it's, Ryan. It's my fault, guys. It's I'm mostly sorry. it's completely Ryan's fault. And yep. Mike doesn't help him. He makes it worse. <laughs> But now, guys, we are looking to not only keep the show and the network going, but to do more for you guys with this video cast and additional things. So for as little as a dollar a month, as much as you guys can help and want to contribute. It helps us guys a lot. It, it helps the network. It helps understand. our shows. And it allows us to do more stuff. And it's not like you guys are not going to get things in return. We've got behind the scenes, additional videos. We just listed some of those. Reach arounds. Reach arounds. That's <laughs> the highest cams. tier. Those are the highest tier perks, but they do exist. Or They're will. there. It's like, it. you know what, guys? It's kind of like in and out secret menu. <laughs> so like, you, you, if you get to a certain number, we're not going to tell you what the number is, but you get there. And you're going to get, get reach some, around. You're going to get some cool shit. <laughs> now, Jesus God. The other thing that helps us with this, guys. Worst promotion ever. <laughs> or best. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Watch a spike after the show. As we continue to grow, once we reach certain goals, we are going to be introducing new shows such as Eric Kripke's Timeless, given the crossroads treatment where we're going to break down and discuss each episode. You guys can check out all those goals and all the stuff you can get, including free t-shirt. Well, not free. T-shirts, swag, signed posters, all kinds of stuff. If you head over to patreon.com slash Digital. Check that out. Everything you guys can do, we appreciate it. It helps us grow. But we are going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to get into our discussion of Season 12, Episode 20, in just a minute. Oh, remote hollers, hide deep dark secrets, ancient and cold, comfortless and cold. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man. 
The key advance raises the prospect of a fast-acting pill or nasal spray that a man could take hours or perhaps just minutes before sex. It would also save men from being trapped into having children they didn't want. Oh, of course. Deuce, oh, poor men. Douche <laughs> scientist right there. He's all, you know, I was tired of these bitches. It always pregnant. Get, I'm having sex with them. Yeah, these bitches What's get... happening? <laughs> these bitches are getting pregnant, and I'm just tired of it. What if that was his entire drive through college? Tired of bitches getting pregnant. <laughs> tired of paying child support. I better get a college education. <laughs> I didn't gangster, though. Like, there's something, like, uh, flashy about putting on a condom. You think condoms, it kind of gets everything going, ooh, sexual vibe. Like, I'm not into condoms, but when you hear about them and you have them in your pocket, it kind of spells sex. You it know, does. it's the whole situation. <laughs> you don't think sex when someone pulls out like a nasal spray. Excuse me, I got. I just want to make sure you don't get pregnant. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'm gonna put this nasal spray in my in my in my right nostril. Hold on. Hold on. Stop. Stop. For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. It's operational. Because they, they've done it with Star Tours on a small scale. Now take that take that immersion that we get with Star Tours and put it out into an entire park. Yeah. How many Star Wars fans would be giddy just to sit behind the controls of the Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Like they told me they fixed it. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm going to say. Right, what if you can get the Lando experience too? Like you can learn how to how to be a, a traitor and betray your friend and take his girlfriend. You know, you know oh, how, look, look, here's his clothes. Yeah, okay. You, you know how they have you know how they have like uh, the Jedi school there at Disneyland now. You learn to be a Padawan. Well, they yeah. should have one learn to be a scumbag like Lando Carizzi. <laughs> Sell out your friend. Sell out take your his friend. ship. Take his best friend and his girl and, and wear his clothes. And they get promoted to a general. <laughs> You too could be like Lando. <laughs> Guys, join the Lando Carizian School of Scandalness. TheBatTheTank.com For more details and get ready for an excitingly good time. Also, if you've missed our last show, you can also find us on your Stitcher app. Search BatTheTank. That is to your favorites. Thank you. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. Mother's Day is almost here, guys. Yay for MILFs! Don't be lame. Get your mom something. <laughs> You're probably wondering, 
when Mother's Day is this year. I don't usually year. associate MILF with my mother. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways, guys, that's right. Mother's Day is coming Sunday, and Amazon has plenty of gift ideas and discounts for that very special MILF in your life. Oh, cool. Now, check out Mother's Day favorites like jewelry, cookbooks, kitchen gadgets, and more. <laughs> that's a sexist copy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Jesus, who wrote this? Are you looking to wow your mom without breaking the bank? We've got Mother's Day deals lined up with that will keep your thrifty side a secret. But we bet mom would be proud to know her money management tips really sunk in. I, that never happened. That never came from my mom. Um, looking for unique gifts? You'll find them here along with gifts for moms that encourage and inspiration and empowerment. Who wrote this? Jesus. Moms need to be pampered. Amazon will have bathed body products. I like how the opening part of the copy was sexist. And right. then also they switch it to be empowerment. I know, right? Amazon will have... This is the worst thing ever. Amazon will have gifts dedicated to moms who love fashion, whether it's jewelry, clothes, or designer bags. Is your mom into gaming or technology, which is no mother ever? Uh, pr- products like noise-canceling headphones or phone cases are sure to please your mother. Uh, does mom like to be healthy and into physical fitness? Uh, not my mom. But Amazon <laughs> will have products that will indulge her into activity for yoga to running. Um, what about movies? Does she like movies? Now, that's that. Okay, this one makes sense. Most moms like movies. Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, or Fifty Shades Darker, whichever one you're into. She is a milk, Find right? the latest media. Don't forget to shop on Amazon, guys. Shop Amazon VR links. If you're listening on demand from a- the app or the iTunes, that's fine. Go to RainmanDigital.com and click on the Rain banner. RainmanDigitalMedia.com. RainmanDigitalMedia.com. I'm doing really good until that part. Click on the banner, guys. It really helps us out. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. I like how it's like violent confrontation. It sounds like daytime television. It does sound it like does. Yeah, it does. A little bit. It's like Castillo, the bold and the beautiful. It's like... <laughs> Maybe that's the spinoff. Uh, daytime television, here uh, we come. God, no. Don't, gonna give don't Ellen, say Ellen a that. run for her money. Do not say that. That'd be funny. I'd, I'd watch it. All overexposed video look. Uh, that's like soft lighting that's and sheer, dramatic shots. That's sheer talent there. Oh, yeah. Sheer talent. <laughs> Didn't, hey, wait a second. Didn't uh, Jared get his start on daytime television? Yeah, his, I think he did. His, his start. Yeah. yeah. And they quickly left that behind. Yeah. When, when, they, when they realized he was too good for them. They're like, why like, is this guy shit, here? This guy's way too good yeah, to be on this, this show. Fucking guy here? Yeah, I want him off the show. He hey, can actually act. Hey, he's can making we get me look him out bad. of here, please? This guy's tall, and he's good looking, and he's a really good actor. Get him the fuck out of here. This is horse shit. As one of the other actors. Yeah. Hurry up, because I have a porn to shoot after this. Yeah. (laughs) I've got to do anal after this. Can you hurry up? Don't worry. we got to change the set over. You'll have time. Yeah. I need my fluffer in here. the hell? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I just went really dark. Oh. Can have offspring and the child is A-OK, then I think something born of goodness uh, could be, can also be good. I did want, though, them to the healing of Castile's like powers to give him back full power and wings because how great of an ending shot would have been I have, had they just I flown away. Yeah. Cool. Not gone in the car. Like, flown away. Had Castiel. Like, thank you for believing. And they're like, like, I believe I can fly. Teleport. He Jesus. Just Is that there. what you want? Sorry, I used the I actual word. <laughs> and not so insinuated. Bad. But he's a fucking magician and just disappeared. My little children. (laughs) (laughs) You good? (laughs) Teleported away because apparently we can't handle the. You want them to fly away? Go ahead. I hate you both so much. Hey, you said it. I because they fly, you fucktard. They don't really fly. They're not like flapping their wings to the wind. No, but the. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thomas thinks that's what they do. I didn't say that's what they do. It's like angels in the outfield. <laughs> I use, I'm using fly very loosely. It's all symbolic. Welcome back, guys. Supernatural at the Crossroads. Now we're talking about Season 12, Episode 20, Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines. Ryan, do you have the synopsis, director and written by? Because I can't do names. Uh, well, is Richard Spade Jr. I feel like you should get that one right. That's just my slogan and now. It, I can't oh. do names, and then I pass it off to you. Gotcha. Okay, and then it was written by Steve Yaki. Yoki. I probably messed that one up. I don't think we actually know his, his he, name, because Mike didn't know we either. We could put it in Google Translation, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Sam and Dean intercept a phone call from Alicia Baines, who is looking for help in finding her mother who has gone missing while hunting a powerful witch. Meanwhile, Mary begins to see the darker side to how the British men of letters operate. Now, this, as we said, this is Spade's third episode of Supernatural that he's directed since season 11, starting with one of my favorite episodes, Just My Imagination. Hilarious, very unique episode and a much brighter episode leading into a very dark one for the mid-season finale in season 11 then this year we had stuck in the middle with you the tarantino-esque homage that's the only thing you can call it which also brought in the return of the cult and the introduction of the princess of hell some great lore and fan favorite moments for all of us now with this one it's a bit different for him this is something that is not exactly a standard episode but it's not a funny one that they knew he could handle. It's not a homage to Tarantino that's mixed with humor that's a bit unique. This is as close to his like stand like a standard directorial episode yeah. as I think we'd get from him, but it's it is still top notch stuff. It's really well done. I mean, you know, the 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 name of the episode is kind of a swerve. You know, you think, okay, um, this is gonna be a funny episode or, you know, something that might be a little bit more lighthearted, and it really wasn't. Yeah, you would think so with his previous episodes right. and his style. And, and anybody who's been to one of the creation entertainment events knows how funny the guy is in real life and his Pretty other hilarious. work. Plus, I mean, the guy's the trickster. He can't be that serious or that, you know, somber compared right. to that character unless he's one of the greatest actors of all time. You know, this isn't a testament to his skill, though, as a director, because, you know, first off, I wonder why it took so long for them to even hire him on as a director. And a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that he was the trickster for so many years. That's, oh, he's Richard Spate. Oh, he's Richard Spate. Finally, they took him seriously, brought him on to direct an episode, and they realized this guy is very capable as a director. He didn't just go in there, you know, as a novelty. He went in there to show that he can do something and almost kind of brand himself as a as a director and take cues from some of the most popular genres and then utilize that genre to tell his story and i think that's more apparent now in retrospect when you look back at what he's done comedy the cool guy movie the 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 guy richie slash tarantino-esque genre then you have the horror genre it almost seems like this was his plan of action from the very start last year he said guys I want to try these three genres. You guys pick the episodes. I will gladly jump in and I'll show you what I can do. And he has done an amazing job. And not a lot of directors can do all types of genres. No. Usually there's a director no. that there's sticks. A stick. Yeah, there's a stick. They do one or a certain type. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that he's able to do all three of these genres very capably, like it wasn't, he didn't just half ass it. No. Each one was a lot of dedication and love and talent put behind each one. And it's almost, to me, it almost feels like he started with a comedic episode because that's what we would know him for. And that's right. what he almost had to do for anybody to take he him seriously. Wet a bit. 
Right. To take to get his feet wet for people to be like, OK, he can actually do this with something we know he's capable of doing. And then he's moved away from that now. As I said, this is almost a traditional episode or it's at least the most horror-esque episode he has done so far. And not only that, if you look back at his body of work now and his trilogy, you also see that none of them were just meaningless. Uh, the episode that he did last year was very heartfelt, had a yeah. lot of emotional meaning, and I had a lot of drive for the main narrative of that season. Also, looking at Stuck in the Middle, look what it did for supernatural lore. It kicked that Lucifer door wide open in terms of the princes of hell. Not just that, but it was one of the biggest episodes for the season as far as moving the myth arc forward. Between Mary not fessing up to Castiel's near-death experience at her own fault, her own hands. Right. The British Men of Letters search for the cult and their ulterior motives for that. Yeah. The, seeing where it has been for, God, years at this point. Yeah, they're entrusting him with, a, with not just some run-of-the-mill episodes. Well, they're giving him stuff with meat. Well, let's be honest. I mean, if if he's done three episodes and every single one of them has been really good, he needs more next year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I legit think he he needs at least five or six. I mean, they should double what he's done. And plus, there's more genres out there he needs to do. There's pornos. There's <laughs> um, well, but look, romance. let's leave porno to me. Yeah. I've got that. Covered. That's Ryan's niche. That's Come mine. On. Yeah. If you guys are listening and you're gonna do a supernatural porno episode. You know, give but me a there's call. there's buddy comedy, there's romance, as you said, there's serious drama, there's soap opera, there's all kinds of things he can still do. So I I do agree with though, Ryan. I think he does need more episodes. But he set the bar now, so yeah. meaning, he has meaning any other episode he directs, I expect it not to be normal. I expect it to be a filmmaker's approach. If that's because that's what he's done, he's taken a film fan approach to his episodes. Exactly. It's not just somebody who wanted to do an episode or is a guest director or anything like that. This is somebody who respected not just Supernatural as a whole, but the filmmaking aspects that went into making the show such a groundbreaking show seasons one, two and, and the early days when you had people from the X-Files and the film and the lighting and all the elements that went into making this the show it is that we love. And, you know, directors don't really get a lot of... um kudos or props on television they really no, don't they really don't because they're not really they don't call the shots uh in terms of the entire story they're usually parachute directors they come in for one or two episodes a year and then they're gone the people who call the shots are the showrunner and the writing room for the most part and even sometimes the cinematographer but there are responsibilities that the directors that they have to do they have to do their they have to have a shot list they have to know exactly where the camera's going to be at they have to figure out their camera block and they have to work with the cinematographer they have to have relationships with the actors. They have to understand what they're trying to do in this episode. So there yeah. is there is, despite the director not carrying the entire weight of a season or the entire weight of the story, there is a lot of technical yeah. things. You have to know what you're doing. Yeah. You he, really do. Yeah, he's he still has a, a tremendous amount of things he has to worry about. And I think, you know, it, it, it goes to show you how good he is with these three episodes that he's done. I mean, what Mike said, I mean, of course, I I wasn't quite sure how that worked. I, I'm not really in, but it, it sounds like that's that's not a you know a little thing. I mean, you you have to know camera angles, what you're going to do, each shot, how you're going to do the shot. Um, they have to be available for yeah. a tech scout where they go check out the location they're going to be shooting at. 
I, they, there's a lot that they need to do. And in truth, I would honestly say it's harder to be a director for TV due to the fact that you don't have the creative freedom like a director of a film does. Nor the rapport of the, with the exactly. crew. Exactly. The director of a film is the guy in charge. He makes all the decisions, all the rules. It's his way or the highway. As Mike said, the TV director gig is very much you come in, you do the job that you're asked to do. Yes, there are elements that you have to know. You have to be skilled. But you don't get the final say. You're not the creative voice behind the entire element. You are a voice that's involved with the creativity, but it's not your ship to captain necessarily. It's a very different style. Right. So if you're able to take someone else's story and make it cohesively make sense in terms of a narrative on television, a visual story... I mean, it, it's a win. It's a win-win. Yeah. And not only that, also put your brand of your own spin, your style, your own style without kind of veering away too much from uh, from what the fans of Supernatural are used to seeing. But another thing is that we've been harping on all year is hiring capable directors. Yes. And, you know, not necessarily sticking to the, can the Canada fishbowl of hiring, but bringing people, you know, big names out from Los Angeles like they used to do in the earlier seasons. Uh, but this is a case where they can get away from doing that with someone like Richard, who understands Supernatural. He's been around from day one. The man is consumed with Supernatural yeah. more than probably some people really even realize. I mean, he's involved in the con circuit. He gets Supernatural. He's also has a good gauge on the fan base because he interacts with them on a daily basis. Also, he has the relationship with the actors. There's a lot of... Yeah, he's worked uh, with most of them. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a good relationship with the with these actors for you to get what you need from them. And I think that goes a long way as well when he walks onto set. He has that relationship built in with much of the crew and even the, the main players of the cast. So he has a lot of things going for him that helps him be able to put, to put together a final picture for the team to edit. And it ends up looking great. I think what you said, though, is really important to note. It's something that not everyone realizes is that it is the relationships. Some directorial elements, some projects can die due to the director's inability to work with the cast or the lack of a relationship they have, a lack of respect, a lack of understanding, a lack of communication between them. There have been many examples throughout movies that we've seen over the last forever that have that great failure at some point. The relationship between the director and the cast is huge. That's half of the battle right there. You, Like Mike said, you have to know the technical as aspects of what you're doing, lighting, camera, pacing, blocking. But you also have to be able to get what you want, what you need out of those people in front of the camera. Now, and that's where he is so strong because of his time with the show. I think, wouldn't the, the trickster show up? Season two? Yeah. Yeah. Season well, I mean, fucking two, and, man. And that's a lot of time. A lot of times uh, why actors can make good directors because they've acted and they understand that it's not as simple. If you heard me a few times make jokes when I'm making fun of directors, I'll be like, all right, act sad. All right, act happy. That's not the <laughs> right. job of a director. You don't tell them how to act. That's insulting. You know, 50% of it's technical, 50% is emotional. And that emotional side is understanding that the actor is extremely vulnerable. You look like, you look at a guy like Jensen Ackles and you may yeah. think, oh, he's the life of the party. Jared Padalecki is the life of the party. But it's stressful to put yourself 
on the spotlight, literally, and all these eyes watching you as you make believe, as you pretend, and there's a camera rolling and the sounds rolling. There's a lot of stress, and a director has to be able to communicate verbally and non-verbally with those actors, and that is why picking the right director is so fucking important. Dude, every time I think of, like, you know, like a director and, like, actors and, and, and how hard it is, I think of Tropic Thunder. <laughs> when he's sitting there and he's like trying to cry and then he can't cry. Yeah. yeah. Oh my it's God. about emotionality, man. Emotionality. It's like one of my it's so funny. <laughs> God damn it, right? It's true though. It, it's, You're it's, not wrong. That's I know. The thing. That, that's what I love about it, dude. I it's love so good. but I just love how Mike and I are going into the technical and like the, the snooty aspects of it. And I saw like, his eyes yeah, glazing it's like over. Tropic so. Thunder. I saw Ryan's eyes it glazing over. It, it truly does. I know it's okay. <laughs> but you're exactly a, right. You said the exact same fucking thing we did with a single reference. Yeah, see, look at look how good I am, guys. One single All reference right, and I got it. <laughs> You guys just get you know get snooty and for, you know, for more single sing- references, uh, watch DCNCW or listen oh. to DCNCW. Oh yeah, that plug other the show, show that I do. Anyway, I was seriously plugging. I wasn't making fun of it. That uh, wasn't intentional. Uh-huh. <laughs> Someone's got some self esteem issues with their other show. Well, yeah, my penis is small. Oh, it just got bigger. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so again this is just us harping on the fact that directors need to be handpicked for for specific reasons and even specific episodes and that comes ultimately that falls on the shoulders of robert singer and andrew dab having to pick the right people for the right material and it's not just the director though you have to look at how the writer has put this episode together and what their relationship is between the director and the writer and understanding the vision behind what's on the page and what you're going to put on film you know steve yaki or yoki we we still don't know how to say we'll that just, so just let's pick uh, uh you know a lane and go with it so we'll steve say yoki we'll just say yoki from here on out yoki steve yoki he has done two other episodes this season this is his third one as well same thing for spate third time doing an episode but we had him first with celebrating the life of asa fox followed by Lily Sunder has some regrets. He worked really well, I feel, his script did with what Richard Spate was doing in this episode, or whether that was Spate coming to uh, Yoki and and working together with him, trying to understand his vision. It's dual powers. It's, it Absolutely. is dual powers. It's two halves of the coin that need to go together. And in this episode, we got a lot of cool things, both from previous seasons, previous elements, as well as some new things and moving the myth arc along. As we said, this was a monster of the week. Plus myth arc in a nice way that I I appreciated for Yoki to give us. And when I think back, that's not exactly the life of Asa Fox, but it was with Lily Sunder has some regrets. The fact that there is this past Castiel has in regards to the Nephilim. It wasn't a huge myth arc step forward, but it tells us the threat that they they pose to heaven. It sets up heaven hunting down Kelly Klein. It sets up the regret he has and why he might be somebody who would side with the Nephilim or try to defend this as of yet innocent life. He's the one person who feels bad about it. That's left to tell the story. And Lily Sunder, you know, represented that guilt in a very real way. So him to move forward in this aspect feels like a logical step forward. Now we did get to see the, the big bad of this episode was the borrower, witch, which is something that we haven't seen for a long ass time. It's got to be a long time because I didn't even remember this. I honestly think I see. I remembered this, but I didn't remember the exact name, and I knew we only saw it. I think 
in season two is the only time we see this. About two years ago, I think, during an Halatus episode, we were talking about retcons, and this came up yeah. in terms of witches, because we knew they changed. At one point, they were introduced as being basically being able to get power through a demon, making a, a deal, deal with right. a demon. Um, and then we were introduced a few years later to the the de- or the witches that we see more often now, which are the, 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 the naturals, they call yeah. them. People like Rowena who have the inherent ability mm-hmm. to use magic mm-hmm. and make, you know, make my dick get bigger. <laughs> oh, come on. See, I left the opening because I knew you'd take it. So thank you, Ryan. Dude, you're going to, dude, if you throw me a slow pitch, no, it was a softball. It was a softball. I appreciate it. That was a bunt. It was what? a bunt. That wasn't a, you did not <laughs> hit that out of the park. I, I crushed that. Get out of here. His He's dick like, just got smaller. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. That would be, dude, this thing's going from like 12 inches <laughs> to zero in like a matter of. Now, we hadn't seen Borrower borrower Witches for a long time. Season 2, which had a lot of that introducing the idea of making deals with demons, which led into Dean's choice at the end of that season. We see more of that here, which plays directly into the choices made in this episode. It was a bit depressing, honestly, to watch Max make that decision. You knew he was going to. Well, that's the thing, dude. Like, it makes sense, it, yeah, but it's, it's tragic at it the same totally time. It totally makes sense. And it's, dude, it's, I relate this a lot, this, this type of decision when I, I watch Revenge of the Sith. And I know that Anakin's going to make the decision and turn to the dark side. Yeah. But I don't want it to happen. I'm like, no, don't do it. And I'm sitting there and I'm Obi-Wan's like, Obi-Wan's got the high ground. Yeah, he's got the high ground, <laughs> dummy. God, he's going to cut your legs off in your arm. Jump to stupid. the left, not straight up, you dipshit. I just like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Max, don't do it, man. Yeah. Don't do it. Like, don't. It's not but worth it. But at the it. same time, while we knew it wasn't worth it, we can totally understand him wanting I to make it, that dude. decision. It totally makes sense. Which makes yeah. it all the more tragic. You, you know, that's what makes tragedy so entertaining in some way as as terrible as it sounds it's something that we could see ourselves doing and it has that catharsis of experiencing it through another's point of view which thereby allows the audience to experience that emotion but also avoid the action which is a big element from greek history from greek plays and shakespearean plays which comes into play in this episode and with this one we see the witch has She's made a deal with the demon. She's trying to get somebody to take the deal. She's got this little, you know, house of horrors in this goal. And it, we see a new element of witches. We've seen them have curses. We've seen them do all kinds of, you know, throw people into a walls or magical blasts or something that we saw in this episode. Warding and summoning spells and binding spells, things like that. But I don't think we've ever seen something quite to this extent where they were able to essentially create some semblance of life. And you know what? There's something disturbing and tragic about it. The fact that they die, but they don't know it because they kind of come back to life because they're using. Yeah, yeah, because they're using a portion of their body. What their heart? Is that what it was? Yeah, cut the heart. out. I mean, that's disturbing. That's that's classic horror. That's season one, season two stuff. Well, the, I think that the biggest shot there is, you know, when his sister wakes back up and he's like, oh, everything's fine. And then like behind her is her dead body. He's like, bitch, don't turn around. Like, don't, <laughs> don't turn around, motherfucker. Don't you turn around. You're going to get killed. He's dead. Look over here. You're going to get killed again. Hey, what's, who's, who's laying on the bed with me? Nobody. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Why is the 
Oh, bitch, I was crushing last why night. The, why is the bell oh, wait, bloody? Because I was crushing last night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wait a second. He's, not, he's a gay male. So he yeah, she can still be crushing. Uh, yeah, yeah, hey, whatever. They get curious. Don't they get curious? Yeah. Maybe it was a big sure. fuck-off Do orgy. You, you don't know. <laughs> Do you get curious, Ryan? Do you suddenly decide Maybe. to get Read some of the man's porn. He probably, <laughs> yeah. he probably does. That's true. But, it, dude, like, that that was very eerie. Like, she wakes up, nothing, you know, she doesn't feel like anything's different, and then right behind her is her dead, like, her dead body. That's just, dude, that's creepy. Yeah. It's, and, it's and, all kinds of fucked up in a lot of ways. Not just is it like horror, but it reminded me of an immediate biblical text with uh, Lot and Salt. Where his wife turns around and looks at the tragedy of, I think it was Babylon, right? Yeah. And no, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, thank you. That you should know. <laughs> he went to church or what? Very religious. If you turn around and see that horror, you immediately die. I. It's not exactly the same, but I felt like there was this allusion to that concept where if she turns around and sees the truth behind her, Obviously, the whole thing's going to come crumbling down. It definitely felt like there was some metaphor to it. Yes. It, it, the way the camera lingered on it, it was more than just to drive home the point. Yeah. There was something there that they were trying to draw attention to. Yes. And I liked this idea that the witch had the ability to do this. Now, the borrower witch from season two, we know they get their powers from demons. That's how they have access to magic. So it's not something inherent, but we had never really seen the extent of that or what they could do. Are they more powerful than natural born witches? And they got, we got a little bit of not exactly retconning, but changes to some of the continuity yeah, in as, some ways. As we've said before, in order for you to continue telling a story that's unique and you're 12 seasons in, you have even four seasons in, you got to allow certain things to evolve and change. As long as the continuity is intact and you can find creative ways to explain it away or fix it, I think it works. I agree. I think it works just fine. But there's also, it wasn't just the witch that had a bit of a continuity shift. We saw some of that with the shapeshifter, yeah. which we'll kind of get into in a little bit when we get more into the British Men of Letters and their tactics. But I did like what they did with this witch. It, it felt creepier it felt like you were this living doll for them it had this idea that, yeah, of that, they can weird create life which is something that i don't think many others and it can do demons can bring you back from the dead but it's never been the same thing because well, this brings up all kinds of questions what bugs me is that they're made out of wood it's not like a real doll or anything it's like oh, for God's it, sake. it's made out of wood how are you supposed to get down with twine that? It, twine whatever yeah. how are you supposed to get down with that dude but you get splinters it, in your dong like, how looks, does that work jesus how does that work it but that's the thing. Wear a condom it, it looks <laughs> a metal condom. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just felt. Here's the thing though. It looks it's, it's not like yeah, it they gave like, yeah. them hugs. It's not like they're like actually you, yeah. sticks beneath. It's not the scarecrow. You know, this, this is, is actually this idea of twine being reanimated is yeah. actually taken directly from some wicked ass black magic if you look it up. That's why it's twisted as fuck. Yeah, and that's why it's it's eerie. When you take and rob from real witchcraft elements, which is one of Supernatural's oh, greatest strengths, yeah, is taking so from real that. aspects and turning it into something we can enjoy from the show. But it is creepy, not just because of what it what actually occurs, but it brings about questions. Somebody brought this up in the chat room that I've been thinking about since I saw this goddamn episode, which still is creepy. Is that person has that person's soul moved on? Is the soul tied to this bot second body? Or is this a complete facade of life except for the memories? What happens when and if, and essentially when for the story to be relevant, Alicia's going to find out. 
that she is not the real or this is a clone body or it's not exactly her. That'd be such a weird conversation. And so, then you have the questions of all kinds of things about like some from science fiction. What makes somebody a person? This got way I went way down the fucking rabbit you know hole what? with this I, one. I dude. don't I don't think you did because there there's a point to it. There's a bigger story here. Yeah. Um and I think that is I think those were questions that were intended for us to ask. Like, no, what, I know, but that's it's on the surface. It doesn't seem like it's that involved. I would say it seems like he's he's missed his. Obviously, he misses his family. It's a tragic event, and out of his grief, he made this decision. But I love how deep it goes between the questions of morality and philosophy and biblical text references and just morals. That this brings about in this one action. Well, it's it, it's the it's the infamous, you know, this person thinks they're real, doesn't know that I they're think not therefore real. I am. Yeah, and it, it's a funny thing. Like I know we bring it up, I bring this show up a lot, but it's the same thing with like Battlestar Galactica. Are the Cylons real people? And I think that's the question that you deal with throughout the entire show. So the thing is, can you imagine? Or is Pinocchio real? Uh, right, exactly. I mean, he is when he says, "I'm a real boy," but it, that's a different story. But. The fact of the matter is, is, can you imagine Max having that, having to have that conversation with his with his sister when she finds out, like, hey, you yeah. technically are made out of twine. You know, like that's <laughs> like think about that. Hey, funny hey, story. Hey, technically, you're made out of twine. Technically speaking, you should probably stay away from open flame. But um, just saying, we can't go blue camping. Fl- blue flame, you really got to stay away from. <laughs> But just, you know, playing. I, I, no hot of, showers, you know. There's a lot of questions that linger after this episode pertaining to them. A, who's this demon? Why, who's this demon and why are they so damn powerful? And why are they trying to buy souls? Yeah. As we know, whenever there's a soul involved, not buy, that's a wrong choice of word. But we know that anytime souls are involved, there's usually a bigger story involved there's, yeah, someplace. There's a, yeah, there's something involved. Uh, you have you're dealing with bargaining of souls you're dealing with this this ancient witch you're dealing with now max and alicia have moved on past this episode they're both even alicia is alive so to speak i guess so obviously the story their story is not done it's going someplace and the fact that they didn't even name the demon yet or even show them yeah i i've got to believe there's a, a bigger story here well not just that i mean for me also we know that demons want souls and we know that the soul is powerful we've known that since season six but again is alicia's soul has it moved on is it in this twig body and it makes me bring up bigger questions because when the mom tasha broke that finger she knew that she could just snap it back into place so is there a subconscious part of her that knows she's not real or not to the same degree i really want them to bring these characters back because there is such a depth of questions that can be brought from this and honestly the first thing i thought of this could be your spinoff if you really wanted it you have he has this tragic dark beginning and you could have these two as characters move forward and see how their relationship works out is she ever going to find out what happens when she does are they hunting the demon that is tied to his soul now i agree thomas in a lot of ways this is a this is a no, in every way. This is a better backdoor this pilot than Bloodlines. This is a thousand times better backdoor You have pilot. your demos. You have your demos, Grab. Look at who's cast. You have a you male. good characters. You have a female. And you have now the parallels uh, that are connected to Supernatural and, make, and what makes Hunters Hunters in our eyes. Not and, just from his own tragic story, but the connection to Sam and Dean's yes. original story, too. It's all there. Yeah, th- this is a better backdoor pilot. Absolutely. Even if it wasn't intended, 
this could definitely work for a spinoff. Yeah. And even if it doesn't work into a spinoff, which I really, honestly, I would be super down for that because I want to know how does it, plus it brings up a new element. You have the original Hunter plus Mm -hmm. now a magic Hunter, magic wielding Hunter. We saw some new cool shit here. Well, when he threw that fucking dude through the window and he's broken and shattered out in the concrete, I was like, dude, that holy was so shit. Cool. Yeah, it opens these two he characters. Give a fuck, he just threw that dude through the window. That was awesome. Yeah, these two characters definitely definitely open some doors for different types of stories, but also staying true to what Supernatural is. Exactly. Now, I, that is the route I hope they take, but even if they don't, it still has the opportunity to connect further into the British Men Letters and their cleansing I guess that's the best way to say it of America. Yeah. Or the British, they're, they're done. As catch says, they're getting rid of them. I think it's all but said at this point. Yeah. That's what I was kind of wondering. I was wondering if this is, if they're going to end up joining the target, you know, the, the dartboard that they have in the British Dude, of right. bunker. Like, are they going to be added next? to see two more with X's on them? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I expected. Mary's, like, Mary's pussy. Like, oh, Jesus. Oh, X. Been slain. That's, oh, my goodness. He's all, <laughs> he's all like, by this guy, in, like, in the meetings. He's all, There's a scoreboard on the other side of the two wall. two thumbs and fuck Mary Winchester? <laughs> this guy. What's up? There's a scoreboard. Catches at the top. He's only killed. He has only had sex with Mary. Everyone else killed, like, 12 hunters, but he does, he still has more points. He's like, I fucked a hunter. <laughs> I fucked the original hunter. All right. I put it right in her pee uh, hole. Okay. Oh, that's not where Jesus Christ. God, I love making you guys. This is fun. Just keep taking it farther and farther. I could go farther if you want. No. We're not good. We're good. All right. Now, the twins aspect outside of what it sets up for future storylines, whether it's current season 12 British Men of Letters moving into season 13, or if it's a spinoff attempt or what. It works as Supernatural constantly does by telling a parallel story through this episode in regards to Sam and Dean. The biggest thing is how family works as being a hunter. We've had a couple examples right now. We've had you just get recruited into the life and this is how you live. That's John Winchester and Sam and Dean. That's Ellen and Joe. That's Mary and the Campbells. This is what you do. No questions asked. We've also seen. Dean struggled to try and make it work where you have those two lives completely separate, as with Ben and Lisa in season six, which did not work out. But now we're seeing a kind of a different mix. Sam and Dean have always wanted a traditional, normal life as best as possible. They knew they'd never have it. But with Max and Alicia and Tasha, we see an opportunity to where you can have your cake and eat it, too. You can have hunting and you can have a family family. it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive or one for the other you don't have to sacrifice something you can make it work which is a bit bitter for them to a bitter pill for them to swallow in some respects because john was never that but not only was john never that mary despite the pedestal they put her on once she came back into the equation still was not that she's not yeah she's left them in so many ways but at the same time it's something that they don't realize they have proved between the two of them and even Cass that you can have that. Yeah. They do have that. They're just too close to the forest to see the trees. Yeah, and that's kind of the conclusion I was drawing because a lot of people out there in the fandom was drawing the parallels showing how how Dean's very similar to Max and Sam's very similar to Alicia and right. Tasha is very similar to Mary. And there are definitely those similar traits. 
but I was looking at as, less as a parallel and a lot more like a contrast. They were contrasting the two, showing yeah. how yeah, different true. you have a happy life, and they're hunters, grown adults, been hunting for pretty much their entire life, and then you have the exact same thing from the other spectrum, and their life is just shit. And it kind of goes... One shitstorm after another. Yeah, and it kind of goes into play with the legacy. I think, I think they're playing into that and trying to show those contrasts, and also at the same time utilizing parallels between the two, because they did definitely show the connection between uh, Alicia and Sam being the outsider, and Max and Dean being uh, also similar in their own way. Not just that, but we see that little conversation between you know Twig, Tasha, and Dean, where she says, "You, when you're a kid, you think your parents have all the answers, and as they were children yes. up until yes. Mary came back into the thing, they thought she was so great, but then as you get older, you realize that they're just people, and they make it up as they go. You're right. And there's been a big undercurrent of family, not only this season, but throughout all of Supernatural. I think that's why Bobby is their best example of a parent. He was a hunter who he was, was with all, them. He was but there he was, all the time. But he was them. always there for them. Come hell or high water, par- paralysis or not. It didn't matter what it was, man. It didn't fucking it, matter. It didn't matter. Bobby always had their back no matter what. And and honestly, John was never there for them. I mean, there well, was a couple. Come on, ep- he, he was there. Somebody there was a couple episodes, though, yeah. where like they were so damn close to him and he could have revealed that he was there and he didn't. But that was out of a protection thing. Like, and the I difference that, is, the difference he's, is, he's just a different type of John parent. protected yeah. them by staying away. Mary protects herself by staying away, which I think is one of the things that people find more negative about Mary Winchester. That's that Campbell aspect come into play. Right. John did terrible things for the right reasons for others. Mary has unfortunately, and the Campbells more specifically, do terrible things to serve their own interests at that time. Out of everybody, Bobby's been the best parent with, honestly, in my eyes at least, John Winchester as second, and Mary's bringing up the rear. Just from what we've seen, she wants to be a part of that family. She's bringing up the rear to catch. Oh, jeez. You know, but they're also playing... But some of that's because she wasn't really a mom by the time she died. Yeah. And that is one element that I have liked that they've utilized Mary for this season. And they they have been able to play a lot with episodes that are themed around the mom, with the mother. They've done that a lot this year with the whole like yeah. matriarchal Mesa Fox. Yeah. This episode. There's been they've several done it quite a bit. They've done it quite Kelly a bit. Kelly Klein. Yes. And her entire storyline. Yeah. Is a lot. It has a lot to do with that. So I think in that regard to Mary, I think she's been utilized uh, pretty damn well. She's been utilized well. It's just not what they thought they wanted in my eyes. But again, this is this is like Tasha said there. You realize that your parents aren't perfect. They fuck things up. There are people making it up as they go, which is frankly the story of Sam and Dean in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I think, guys, we're going to take a quick little break here, but then we're going to get into the discussion of the British Men of Letters catching what they've been up to and just how the episode came together as a whole in just a minute. Supernatural, the crossroads will be right back. All right, Entertainment Earth, bring Hollywood home. Entertainment Earth is a place to get all your geekdom wants. From action figures, bobbleheads to pop vinyls, and more. Entertainment Earth is your one-stop 
for all of your fandom needs. Since 1996, they've shipped millions of toys and collectibles to thrilled clients around the world. And now you, too, can jump on board the bandwagon. So you're going to see a lot of links on our sites nowadays. Uh, be sure to click them and buy your shit through us. Uh, Guys, you help yourself cool and you help Brain Man Digital. So you do shopping. Everybody does this geek stuff, right? Oh, yeah. So click those links and buy through our sites. Help us out. You're listening to Supernatural the Crossroads. Crossroads 003 on Brain Man Digital. You betcha. Welcome back, everyone. Supernatural the Crossroads. Now we're going to be talking about the other half, essentially, of this episode, which was Mary and her experience with the British men of letters. The British experience. Oh, the British Ooh. experience? Yeah. Was that having sex with Ketch? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I were British and had sex with a woman, that's what I would call it. The British, <laughs> British experience. experience. I like that. It's good, right? It's good. Yeah. It's good. That's well, Why do you think Jimmy Hendrix called just, it the experience? That's you just got to write these pornos, man. I'm telling you. Dude, I, a whole other career you could be making money with. I probably could Being make a perverse lot of does not equal good writing, Thomas. No, but he has the ideas, then we fix it. It's a, it's okay. a networking thing. Yeah, yeah. Thing. You guys got you to gotta fix it. So now we have to be drawn into this, like, the bowels well, of debauchery. Know, we to, just to write the script, Ryan's ideas. and then we leave blank space for him to fill in, and then they fuck. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so you guys write the, like, so, so here's, we'll the, here's do an how outline. You guys write the, the, the par- part of the porno where, like, it leads up to the All sex. Right. And then when the sex comes, then I write it. Right? That's, <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, All right. All right. British what? Men of Letters. Mary finally, finally sees that they are full of shit, or at least Man. evil to a slight degree. And that catch is not the, she didn't really like him, apparently. Throughout this episode, there was a one-time thing, the hotel sex romp. So she finally sees the truth behind some of their decision-making process, which I'm surprised it took this long, but she wasn't apparently allowed access to some of those rooms. Here now we see that she finds out about Mick is dead. She finds out that they are being surveyed, not just herself, Sam and Dean, but Garth and Claire and Eileen and presumably all the other hunters in America that they have encountered so far. But those are the actual pictures we see. But those are the direct ones we see see with voice recordings and bugs and tracked whereabouts, which does not bode well for anybody. Yeah. Now, they, I I do like the element of how the fight scene went in this one. Now, I kind of jumped around a bit, but she first realizes she doesn't want to be a part of this anymore. For the first time, when we see Ketch essentially getting off torturing this shapeshifter, he's enjoying it way too much. And she way realizes that it's not she's not exactly against torture, it seems, but more against it if it serves no purpose, which he just like Dean when they were hunting the vampire nest. You're just being a sadistic fuck, dude. You're not gaining anything from this. There is definitely a difference. I know they were trying to draw some parallels between Dean and Catch early on. And I think for the most part, there are definitely some parallels there. But there is a big difference between doing your duty and doing it because you love it. Like, Mm -hmm. if, if Dean didn't have to do this, he probably wouldn't. He'd probably go out and hunt for real. Like he would, you know, deer and shit. Yeah, he probably if he has that bone to itch, that's probably what he would do. He does it because it's a duty and they have a sense of obligation. Catch is not doing it because of some duty and sense of obligation. He's doing it because it's an excuse. He gets off on it. Yes, it's an excuse to get his rocks off. Yeah. 
And that clearly that sets the big driving wedge between her and him. Yep. She realizes that this is a different group than what she really thought they were or what she really initially signed up for. And now she's kind of making her way out, especially with his condescending remarks in regards to Dean and her children. No, I love it. Which, you know, that's going to hit home for her. And the voicemail, she then decides she needs to leave. Now, when she finds out about Mick's body, I did like that, that she didn't immediately get caught the second she opened that up. Let me let me let me ask you guys a question. I'm just curious. Okay, you blow someone's head off Mm -hmm. and you're in the, you know. The, the bunker or whatever you want to call it, the British Men of Letters bunker. Call the shipyard. Shipyard, whatever. Why would you dispose of the body in a trunk in the building that you killed him in? That's not locked. And that's not locked. Just curious. I mean, I, I'm... They're, I, I they're just that cocky, re- though, remember? That, that's the thing, though. It seems really... Doesn't seem very thorough for a co- for I'm going to call them a company that looks that is incredibly thorough with their the way they kill monsters the way that they do all of their business is incredibly thorough but they're going to throw some dude's dead body in a trunk inside their but here's the thing at the same time just when we saw the executives and the p- paper pushers get murdered by the alpha and the other vampires catch is not a paper pusher he is a grunt who has now been promoted, essentially. He's probably not great at all this stuff. Plus, he's a cocky son of a bitch who thinks up until they fight that Mary is going to come around or is on his side or would understand at the very least. Now, I did like when they fight. We get not only lore, but a cool fight scene, a well-choreographed to me. I liked watching them fight, not just because finally someone punched that dick in the face, but also I liked how Mary was not completely incompetent in the fight, and far from that, she kicked his fucking ass. Yeah, the she the crunch ass. of that elbow yeah. was uncomfortable to hear that. She punches him in the face repeatedly. He is not the better fighter there. She doesn't ever really lose her guard except when he throws her across the room. That's like twice. Which, I mean, who doesn't? But in the actual physical hand-to-hand, she had the upper hand, I felt. I, I could be wrong, Thomas, but um, based on the Twitter exchange on social media... Uh, apparently, Richard actually choreographed that. Really? Yeah. No shit. Well, it looked great, I thought. It was probably one of the best fight scenes we've seen all year. Yeah. Not just... I also love the bit, the reference to the brass knuckles that we even had questions about in the beginning of this season. Mm-hmm. Because they did seem to give them a little bit of a magical property before, but he says verbatim that they only affect angels to that degree. But I loved how she's like, they're still fucking brass knuckles exactly. to shit. That's still gonna fucking hurt. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, it... It's like that was such a dumb, like how that catch isn't dumb. So I'm just like, dude, he's just being a smart ass. He's talking shit. Yeah. I, why, you gotta, took, why do you nitpick those things? Because like, dude, he's it's a, a writing. Who cares about that? I'm going to question why there's a dead man in a trunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. You, okay. You, you seriously certain, didn't question that. There's certain you things seriously that, didn't question there's, that. If, if you were to do that, you can do that with every single TV show because you wouldn't no. have a TV show if you think like that. It isn't an issue in writing. It's it, some things are there because it's television that's, and it's to be expected. That's it has an, to be there. Otherwise, you don't have a story. That's an overlooked slide, dude. Look, Why look, didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Yeah. You can you, you, you can over ask questions so much to where there is no TV show. That, I'm sorry, dude, but that was overlooked. It's With like people that, asking those questions about horrors. Why didn't they just run out of the building? Well, then you wouldn't have a horror film and people wouldn't die. Yeah. We're talking about. They have established that the British Men of Letters are an incredibly thorough situation. And, 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 and but again, entity. they've bungled every step of the American invasion. Plus, he's not the guy to double check locks. 
He's the I guy who's think, like, I figured I'm it cocky enough to not get caught. I think they're capable in their own element. But I think what Thomas is saying is is pretty much what I'm I agree is that I think they're kind of I don't want to say they're bumbling because they're not, but they're out of their element. They, they're they're way, they're they're way arrogant. And that's something Mick Davies noticed from the very beginning. And that's why he tried to change his ways and wanted to learn from Sam and Dean. He realized they were arrogant. He realized they're way out of their element. And this is something Catch will not recognize because he's an arrogant asshole. I mean, between the one dude, he's like, I went to Kendrick's and I was top of my class. And Mick not having an understanding of how shit really happens down in the mud, as Ketch himself said, and Ketch not locking things up because he's not that concerned with it. They're too arrogant to think that they're going to mess up and they make mistakes as a result. And I think that's ultimately right, because you do see that they're very arrogant. I mean, the fact that they have a room that's under lock and key, but how easy is it obviously for Mary to get in where they have surveillance on the wall i think they're very arrogant and they continue to underestimate now if they were all suddenly to develop this arrogance yeah. like two episodes ago and they become bumbling out of nowhere then i would have a problem with it but because they have set them up from the very beginning as being arrogant and not realizing that they're in over their head they continue to underestimate the winchesters the fact that they the men of letters the british think about the entire scenario the British men of letters think they're going to simply wipe Sam and Dean off the map when the most powerful of entities have not been able to. Like they're and they've arrogant. got God on their side. And it's not unbelievable because there's a lot of villains who are like that in, in, in real stories, in history, that their arrogance are their Look downfall. He opened a second front for no reason other than he was arrogant. Cost everything for that war. It, it is a real example, but I, I get what you're saying, Ryan. It, I do, too. Have, they could have had a scene of her picking a lock. Yeah, it, it just, I just think it was a little bit of an oversight. I, I just... It's kind I, I would have liked it forward. better if Mick Davies would have popped up as a ghost spirit and warned Mary. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. Hey, hey I'm Mary. here. Uh. I know you're taking a shit right now, but I need to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I hang out now. Yeah. Hey. Like don't moaning anyways, Myrtle. Don't anyways, if you haven't noticed yet, <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Um, I, I need your help. I need your help. Now, I'm, my body. I need you to find me. My body is in a chest. If you just break through and burn my bones, that'd be great. That way I can rest. Thank yeah. you, Mary. Thanks, Mary. And thank you for believing. I, I can't believe you fucked Catch. <laughs> and not May. Oh, I, mean, what the, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck's that about? <laughs> That's really why he hung around to he, ask he's why. He's haunting Mary because she didn't fuck him. <laughs> you can ghost fuck me now. It'd be like Ghost. What? It'd be like Patrick I'll Swayze. possess Catch and we can do it again. Oh, oh. <laughs> God. No, but going, or, or moving witch, away from that. Or have the witch just reanimate him. I'm uh, back. Twig version. I'm back as twine. Yeah. <laughs> twine and back. And, oh, oh, God. Oh, my it's, God. It's the new spinoff, okay? No. Yeah. Now, going back to Catch and Mary, I did like the fight scene. I like how she had the upper hand and was the better combatant the whole time because it, it does kind of play into his arrogance again. Like, just like he's like, you're, the brass knuckles aren't going to hurt me. Well, you're dumb. And he has to use a taser ultimately at the end, which does kind of suck, but it sets up the upcoming episode, I'm sure. You know, another reason why I like that she had the upper hand and she kind of controlled that fight. You got to remember her, her experience level. Oh, she's better than him. Yes. I mean, she's from a family line yeah. of hunters. She's been probably fighting since she, you know, could walk. Yeah. 
So it would make sense that she could kick his ass. Yeah, plus they're used to their gadgets and gizmos, and he's probably not as well-versed in that hand-to-hand, frankly, you know, from the street style hunting. Yeah. And I guess so, is the best way you describe that. And, you know, I know you touched on this a bit earlier, but even the fight scene, like if you can choreograph a fantastic looking fight scene like that was, then by all means, please take five minutes out of the story and fight. Yeah. Because it was so well done. Mm-hmm. It's satisfying. It was probably one of the best stunt choreographed scenes we've seen in the last two or three years. Yeah. And I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying it was no, it good. It was really well done. It was very well done. Yeah. Now, we she then wakes up in the same place where the shifter was. And we do need to talk about the shifter just a little bit because there did there was a bit of a continu- not a continuity error exactly, but or a retconning. It kind of depends on what the exact mentality behind the it only, was. The only reason why I put it in the show notes, Thomas, is because th- this is something we've discussed before, and it's something that keeps coming up. Yeah. Um, but it was actually questioned on several fan sites, as well as a tweet over to us, as to why they retconned um, the shapeshifter, because at last time we saw shapeshifters, they would shred their skin. Right. And that is not correct. That We haven't seen them shred their skin in, I don't think, a, in quite some time. I think most of the shapeshifters we've seen, if you look up the wiki, has been this new version. And that started, I want to say, in season six with the alphas. It did start with the alphas. I originally, though, thought that because it shifted without the skin, I thought perhaps it was a second alpha or or an offshoot or a pure blood or something like that. I thought they might go into that. I think that's how they've explained it, actually. If I'm you look pretty in the sure wiki, that was the case. The there pure is a difference. Yeah, I I, they, I don't they, remember, but I thought the purebloods, they didn't have to shed their skin. I don't think they've I'm spelled it out, but I think that's what we're meant to believe, that there is two types of shapeshifters. There's the kind that shred their skin, and then there's the kind that can instantly shift. Now, and we might be wrong on that, but I, I no, do in, in, think that's No, in the wiki the it case. says it. I'm looking at it right now. It says there's two. There's two types of shapeshifters. So I, that didn't bother me, but I did see how some people could, at first glance, be a little confused. And it did excite me because I, for a second I was like, oh, is this going to bring some of the alpha element back? We already had the alpha vamp. I know the alpha shapeshifter proudly beheaded back in season six, but I, I, a little bit of me was excited for he, that. What if he just shapeshifted himself into, into thinking, a head? Yeah, until... <laughs> into thinking, like into thing, a, yeah, into thing. A, yeah, to a beheaded body. He's and not he really beheaded. spider arms and walked away. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that working. Now, this ultimately was the fallout between Catch and Mary and, and the British Men of Letters. She knows that, that he's been killing people behind the brothers' backs and behind her back, the people that they have left behind and the good things they've done, the people they've saved. He's essentially just wiped off the map. Ace in the chat room says they have shedded one time in season 10. Okay. So I, I because they're going back and forth now, if they were to change it in season six and never go back to the shedding of skin then I, then I would say that's a retcon yeah but i think it's a fact pure blood that they're thing. going back and forth i think there's a i think we can definitively say that there are two types of shapeshifters yeah now this mary's now captured and that i think is the thing that will push the winchesters into finally taking an assault against the british mental letters once and for all the only person they liked was davies he is gone now and mary knows it they don't know that just yet, but I think they could easily put some of the evidence together. And as we saw, if anybody watched the trailer, there is a bit, spoiler warning, there's a bit of a shootout at one point. 
So this seems to be the thing that'll finally do it, which makes sense. Mary has been drinking the you know Kool-Aid for far too long at this point, and they're going to come in there guns blazing and hopefully have a little bit of a rescue going, hopefully with some help because you know the the British militias are arrogant, but they're not stupid. If well, that makes sense, I would like to see some of the hunters taken out. You can't have threat. Unless something happens first. Oh, right now, they're doing everything defensively. They're reacting to the events around them. Yeah. Even if they go after Mary, what are they doing? That's defensively. Their defense. They're they're protecting Mary. They're going after their mom. What will make them get off the fence and say, "Look, it. Let's throw morals and ethics out the window. We're going to go kill some humans. Shoot some fuckers. <laughs> We're going to go shoot some humans. And, for and, Mother's and, Day, and not just for for protecting, but for reasons of the greater good. When do they decide? The British men of letters are bad. They are monsters. They're no different than vampires and werewolves. We kill these things. These people are killing innocent individuals. When are they going to go offensive and just start taking them out? I think between Mary being captured and the other hunters being on a very possible death list, I think we're going to see some people written out. I think we need to. I would like that. But in order for us, in order for Dean and Sam to go offensive and for it not to be to kind of throw their their morality, not to pose a question of ethics our way, because I don't think the the, the season needs that right now. No, I don't. But in order for it to be justified offense, somebody needs to die. There needs to be that line in the sand drawn. Either Garth, Eileen, Claire, somebody from Claire. from Camp Winchester, <laughs> Claire. someone from Camp Winchester has to die so that it gives them that nudge yeah. into action. I think I, my money says Garth. That seems like the re- easy one between him and Eileen because Eileen shot a British man of letters and Garth uh, is a werewolf. Those seem like the two likely suspects, but I think you're right. I think we don't need a moral question at this point. I think we need just that that match to be thrown on the fire yeah but we do need that justification though on to the get them kindling. there yeah does that oh yeah, absolutely yeah, we do yeah. we need it to set us up to we're the right we're the good guys no matter what in right. this scenario but we also don't need to question what we're doing we yeah. need a kevin oh sad but he's not wrong that's it's a I, good comparison i mean it that, can't be i mean uh, kevin lost his eyes so it wouldn't uh, be it, would, it just wouldn't be fair for eileen to lose her eyes too oh uh, she's, she's uh, definitely so it, it, it can't be her she loses all <laughs> sense of touch too jesus christ <laughs> terrible oh, but a- that leads us into probably another element that will be the p- deciding factor and that's the return of lady bevel the mind <laughs> rapist mm-hmm. <laughs> rape my mind oh jesus she shows up again, having not been oh, seen Jesus since right. what? Yeah. Episode two. <laughs> oh my god! It's so creepy, dude. It's just <laughs> muttered in like off mic, just barely. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it more. Creepy. I know. Creepo. <laughs> oh my god. She has not been seen since the second episode, and again, Davies was somebody who took her off of the playing field. Now she's back. Essentially, Davies was the moral compass for the yeah. British Men of Letters, and th- that's gone now. Now it's just doing the rules, killing people, moving on with the next assignment. So I think between mom being kidnapped and Lady Bevel, that will set them off. And you know what? We make a joke about the mind rapist, but I don't think they accidentally did that last no. uh, at no. the beginning of the season. I think it was intentional so that we kind of dislike her because there's no way around it. She she did rape. She's a mind Sam. freak. I, yeah. She did. 
So when you look at it that way, she's already set herself up. We already know she's willing to kill them if she has to. Torture as well. And I almost like that we haven't seen her since the beginning of the season. And now they're bringing her back because the British men of letters mean business. And it kind of ups the stakes. I really like how this episode ended. It worked. Knowing because we know that they wanted to keep them. Uh, not keep them they wanted to what What was the saying mcdavy said you know use sugar instead of uh vinegar whatever he said yeah and, and now we know that's not going to work with them so hey let's bring her back maybe she was on the right track to begin with but yeah. they did they did also state that lady bevel isn't fans of catch as well right and that was pretty overtly stated so is that going to come into play is, is she willing to do things that maybe push the envelope, but maybe not go as to as far as say catch, because that can also pose some interesting questions and uh, and some potential issues as well amongst the ranks of the men of letters. I personally don't think she can be redeemed in a lot of ways. She did some really she messed fu- up, she does some stuff. up shit. Yeah. And even if she's not agree, she doesn't agree with catch's methods. Hers aren't any better, really. Yeah. I just wanted to take so, a grenade launcher round to the chest. They what have what been, if she does an apology dream? For Sam. Oh, Jesus. Or she, like, you know... She unrapes him. She she unrapes him by having (laughs) sex with him. Right? No. Oh, is that not a thing? Although, speaking to what Ryan said, they have alluded to that grenade launcher every fucking time. That is showing up in the finale. I I swear to God, if that doesn't show up in the finale, I will riot. It has to. He's got to shoot somebody with it. At this point, it has to. You know know that was a gay metaphor, right? Because Max and him both grabbed it at the same time. Oh my god! I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I read, I read it on Tumblr. I'm sure you did read it. On, no, I'm, I'm sure you have a Tumblr. I'm saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, I think Shut it's time up, for I... us to move on what? to our Shut final up. grade for the episode. Ryan, starting with you. Um, where do I start with this episode? Uh, you know what? I, I, the gay metaphor. Yes, the gay metaphor. Let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> in my next porno. Yeah, in my next porno, <laughs> we're gonna talk about. It's gonna be called Grenade Launcher. And what's going to happen is... Okay. Uh, should I stop? Yeah, stop. Okay. Max is going to say, okay, Dean. <laughs> All right, Dean, let's put this grenade launcher in your bum. It's going to go kaplow. Kaplow. <laughs> <laughs> it's got white, creamy rounds. And afterwards, Mr. Ketch, I want you to say, what a wonderful tea party. Oh, <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, my okay. Can we? Goodness. Anyways, yeah. Um, Jesus. No, I. Uh, I really did. I like this episode. Um, I'm glad they brought back Max and um, uh, Alicia. Alicia. Sorry, I don't know why I was stumbling there. <laughs> I really do like those characters. I thought they they had a good dynamic. And when we first saw them, um, this was. I, I actually. I said it earlier in the show, but I really do like the the mix of the the monster of the week, but with slash with some some you know some myth, myth arc or story arc um, uh, added into it. I think it helps. I, I ultimately think that it helps a a monster of the week episode um, seem fresh, you know. And 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 again, obviously Richard Spate killed it with this one. Um, I the opening scene. Uh, had me had me thrown because when she shows up again, I'm like, okay, where yeah. are we going with this? Uh, it's either a shapeshifter or, or something. Um, the dynamic with Ketch and, and and Mary Winchester is is very interesting, and I think you know, uh, you know, other than the oversight of of locking you know mixed <laughs> corpse in a you know a chest uh, for them for her to find, um, I like the aspect of, you know, when she, she knows she's in kind of a, a bad situation, she's, you know, she sees catch walk past the door and like, she knows she's in trouble. Um, that I actually felt kind of like, Oh shit, is he going to find her? Like, 
you know, but it was, it was, I, I felt something there, which is, you know, different. Um, other than that, I, I think the, the monster was actually really cool. I'm glad they brought back the, the, um, uh, the borrow, which I, I thought that was cool. It's something yeah. we had talked about before, like, okay, where did this go? Why have we not seen it again? And I, and I do like the little nods of them throwing stuff in from, you know, from older episodes. Um, but the, the twig, the shot, the one shot that really got me that I thought was really cool is when she's like building the twig person, you know, she's like yeah. actually building. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. That's kind of yeah, creepy. That's creepy. That's creepy. Um, cause that's like a huge totem. Like it looked like a huge, like, you know, voodoo doll or something. Um, so that was a creepy shot. Other than other, everything about the episode, though, I really liked. I, I really love when Max would do, you know, the visual effect shot when he would do like the magic and his eyes would change color. Um, I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, but, but other than that, I, I, I'm going to give this an A. This is an A episode. I mean, Spate has killed it with all the episodes that he's done. Um, and I definitely, definitely like this one. So A for me. All right. Mike, what about you? Um, I also give this episode an A. I think Richard Spate is definitely the highlight and the takeaway for me. His ability to read the script laid out by Steve Yoki is definitely the highlight for me, without a doubt. You have two capable individuals working together to tell a story filled with narrative parallels that help to explain the characters and where they're at, things that they are possibly thinking, a little bit of hints of foreshadowing, and all these things help aid not just the personal story, but also the main myth art, because you have the hybrid uh, format that was written between Monster of the Week and Myth Arc, and you get you are able to get inside the heads of the of the characters a bit, and that's something that we have not been able to really do too much this year. Um, we had, of course, the the discussion with the legacy a couple uh, weeks ago, but actually having those those classic episodes of SBN where the writers use that mirror to put up to Sam and Dean. They're used to help the audience, us, understand where our characters are at. And that has some been that's been something that hasn't been utilized this year for a lot of reasons. And mostly because A, the story hasn't necessarily been all about them. As we keep saying, they're kind of like window dressing. But now that yeah. we get an episode like that, it's fun to kind of get in the in in their heads and have both, you know, Richard Spate and um Yoki pairing these characters off and seeing the similarities and the similar traits with Alicia and Max. I think it worked in a lot of ways. Also the chosen shots used to bring back familiar notes of seasons gone by, you know, delving into the, the, the genre esque storytelling, uh, which is something SBN has drastically moved away from the cool guy vibe. That's something Kripke did a lot. He is the cool guy. He's the, I don't want to say he's the television Tarantino. It's hard. I hate using Tarantino, yeah, it's but it's kind of, he's kind of synonymous now with the cool guy genre. Um, but that's what Kripke was. He had a lot of cool guy moments in his earlier seasons. And then that's something supernatural has, has veered away from a lot, uh, either because they've been there, done that. But that's something that Richard Spate brings back in every episode. Even if he's not delving into the cool guy genre, he's still bringing back those cool elements that make Supernatural hip. He's definitely good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why this is an A for me. All right. For me, this one, I liked a lot of the elements about this one. I really enjoyed seeing the magic hunter and what they can do. Super cool. I liked his abilities. I liked how you just, like a demon or a witch, just, well, he is a witch, I guess. <laughs> just throw somebody through the freaking window. 
That was awesome. I thought Spate did a great job, you know, three in a row, all knocked out of the park. He has a true understanding of the show, and he works well with the the writer. He works well with the showrunner. He works well with the cast. He cares about Supernatural, and it really comes through in his directing and his style and how much work and effort he puts into it. I liked how this one had a lot of dark references to things we hadn't seen for a long time or things that were new in their abilities. And I really liked a lot of the moral ambiguity or questions and and greater questions that the twig version or or the stick version of Alicia brings to the table. I think it sets up a great backdoor pilot for Supernatural if they wanted to use this. It's it's great. It has inciting incident. It has the overarching theme. It has very similar themes to Supernatural's or own pilot of a demon and how it killed their parents, you know, inadvertently. It's not yeah. exactly the same, but it sets up some great stuff. And it was cool and creepy to see the, you know, inhuman twitching and movements <laughs> of the house guests. I, I would have liked to see more Atasha before she unfortunately met an untimely end, but it still looks great. not really dead. I mean, she, they can mm. still utilize her quite a bit. They could come up with something. Yeah. Theoretically. But who who knows? But it was a great setup, um, and it was nice to see a little bit more of the British Men of Letters and where that is going, setting into the final three episodes yep. of the show. The, for this one, for me, just only because I have other episodes that I enjoyed a little bit more that I ranked higher, this one's an A- minus for me. But it's still a great episode, oh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of Richard Spate's directing abilities in the upcoming season. So... I think, guys, we can just move straight into our thoughts for the upcoming episode, episode 21. There's something about Mary. Ryan, do you have the synopsis for this? So before I read the synopsis, all I want to know, does Mary get jizz in her hair? That's all I want to know about. If you're going to call it, there's something about Mary. And I like how you guys made fun of me for saying that. And yet that's a title for this season. I know, right? I know. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Son of a bitch. All right. Anyway, synopsis. Uh, Sam and Dean are alarmed when they learn hunters are being killed by suspicious accidents all over the country. It's a, they decide it is a best it is best to find Mary and make sure she's safe. Meanwhile, Tony uh, is back in the states, and she and Mary face off. Um, that's that. This is uh, this will be written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Oh, come on! Yay! There we go. Um, is that better? That's better. Uh, I, well, I'm not. I'm kind of bummed because it says uh, learn hunters are being killed by suspicious accidents. So which hunters? This directly leads into what we talked earlier. Well, we already about. know Claire is not really a hunter, so she's definitely oh, off the table. God, I hope she gets stabbed in the eye. Oh my god, just <laughs> so dead. violent. But they said hunter though. Yeah, that's true. She sucks at hunting. Definitely. Now I do this. I do think the two primary. Targets are Garth and Eileen. Oh. Between the killing of another British Men of Letter Dude, and Garth being a werewolf. Let me just tell you something, okay? If they kill Garth off, and the way we find out is from some off-screen, you know, oh, no, they, Garth is dead, and we don't ever get to see Garth ever again, I will... I will see, that's the thing, is either it A, it's characters off. we know, which will I, suck. I cannot imagine... The writers doing that to us? No, that would I don't be think the, so. The biggest it, it, fu. I, I cannot imagine them taking a character like Garth and saying off screen, never seeing it, Garth is dead. Basically, what they did—they've done it before. They have done it before, but I don't necessarily see who them. have they done it with. Ash. I don't even remember the they guy's name. They did it name. with Ash, but Ash. He, he also didn't have. 
I can never remember uh, his no, name. I do Surrogate Bobby from season seven with the glasses, the crazy. No, dude. no, no, no. But he was still in the season. I'm talking about. I'm talking about oh, a okay, character who saying. hasn't been for three seasons, and they just say, "Hey guys, you remember Garth? Yeah, he's dead now. Fuck you." There was no build up. There was no <laughs> like mean, farewell. <laughs> Technically, yeah. <laughs> technically, they did it with Kane. He was on screen and he was off screen. But again, and somehow he died. But again, he was in the season, though. Somehow I don't think they've died, ever done though. it that bad, but we'll we'll see. The Although, closest they get is Zachariah last week. Zachar- <laughs> that's trans. <laughs> Zachariah. You mean, or I mean, uh, Joshua. Joshua. Joshua, yeah. I yeah. can't get that name right. You just I? can't, dude. Jesus fucking Christ. When I called last week, like, named, Jeremiah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to add a Aya to whatever the fuck his I, name I is. Know. It sounds very biblical, Thomas. Yeah, that's I, how I you do know it. What? I already forgot his name. Um, <laughs> Joshua. Shit. Joshua, yeah. Okay. Jesus Christmas. Christ. You need a sticky note on your monitor. Yeah. Angel's name is. I'm just really excited for this one because it's written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross. I think it's going to be good. They're on a roll. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> now, they did do the British Nicole Invasion. Yoke. <laughs> I think we liked the British invasion just fine. I know a lot of people were mad that McDavies unfortunately died in that episode, but I like that episode. They've been they've been pretty they've been okay. They've been okay this year. And they've been okay this year. They they did really good last year. So I'm holding out the benefit of the doubt. And I think this is gonna be the episode where, again, if you've seen the trailer, there is a bit of a shootout element, and this is where things are finally gonna go, you know. Shoot out at the okay. Well, corral. there's only three yeah. hours left, so dude, right? It's fucking Damn, sad. It's there's only two of us sitting down here for new episodes left. And you know frankly. what? You know what? This will be the first year we've ever done the show that Ryan will be here for the season Holy finale discussion. Oh, Fucking tits. shit. Oh, damn. Damn, mother... I'm gonna ruin this motherfucking show. <laughs> Hell yeah. McLeod. See, you can't do it as bad as that. No, that's pretty fucked that's up. That's pretty dude. fucking bad. So, I think, guys, with that, that's gonna do it here for us at Supernatural The Crossroads. We've only got two episodes left, or, well... Three hours, three episodes, two sit-downs left of season 12. It's all coming to a head, and it's going to start with next week's episode. But yes. thank you for Jake for sitting down here and listening to us babble on about, you know, Pinocchio dicks and random bullshit. So, <laughs> That's if you can stand that, hopefully you'll come back. Oh, Jesus Christ. We'll all see you guys next week. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.